Welcome to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast that runs weekly life experiments, explores new ways of thinking, and has conversations with some of the most interesting people that I've met throughout my life. Today, we have a very special person, my first client that I helped build her podcast, Bree, otherwise known as Bree the Black Sheep. Bree is a podcaster, an influencer, a great mother, and my first client, and just an awesome person all around. For all my people out there that got a job. Welcome back to another episode of Bree the Black Sheep. I'm your host, Bree the Black Sheep, the Black Bachelorette, self-proclaimed, because I don't want these niggas, these niggas want me. And I'm joined here by the man behind everything that I have done, Cesar, <laughs> my producer. You guys, I know you have so many questions, and today I get to pick his brain. So, Cesar, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hi, I'm I'm Caesar. I... Uh... Caesar Cesar. I do uh, podcasting. I uh, help people create podcasts, distribute them, edit them. Um, and I am what I consider, I guess, an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm on the way of, of figuring it out. I'm on the way to figuring it out. But Brie knows me because I built, I've, I've helped her build her bot, her podcast. That's how we met. And other than that, I mean, I do a lot of other things. I do jujitsu. Uh, I'm into health and stuff and, and yeah, I, I that was, I, I, I it's weird cause I do podcasts, but I realize why, why guests struggle to introduce themselves. Yeah. Every time I ask people, um, to tell about themselves, they're like, Ugh, and I'm like, dude, I know so many things about you. How do you not understand how interesting you are? Bree, but tell, it, go ahead. Tell me about yourself. Let's see. You never, they never ask you to tell, <laughs> you see, <laughs> Tell me, go ahead and tell the audience who you are, Brie. Tell, tell them a little bit about yourself. I cannot believe that you called me an influencer. I, I didn't even realize, like, I'm like, am I? I feel like, do I influence people? I guess that's funny. But With your um, podcast, you do. Yeah, I guess I am Brie, the black sheep. I'm a podcaster, an influencer. I'm a mother. I'm a lover. I'm definitely a tree hugger. I'm not trying to <laughs> rhyme, but <laughs> on, on everything. I'm so many things. I'm a quirky, weird person. And I had no idea that I popped your cherry. To this day, I had no idea I was the first person oh. for your, your podcast. I could have never known the first time that we talked that I was your first client. Dude. You were so confident. You you are the reason that I believed in myself. The fuck? I can't believe that. Oh, I thought I told you this. I thought I told you this. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, I, I started with you. <laughs> you, you I guess because you had worked on your own, maybe. I had been on my own for about a year and I've been, I'd been reaching out to people uh, constantly and, um, I mean, I, I, I did train myself to be able to speak in public. Like I, I used to, when I, when I was a kid, I had a very hard time speaking in public, uh, in front of speaking, like in front of a group of people, uh, I would get really, really red. And so in, in elementary school, it was always a goal for me to get really, really good at speaking. Cause I knew that it was such, it seemed like a weakness. And around in high school, it started to turn into a strength because I had been focusing on it so much that I was 
I mean, I was good with, once I conquered the fear of speaking in, in front of groups, one-on-one conversation seemed like pretty easy. So that's interesting or that you even realized at a young age or even before like adulthood that you, it would come in handy and it would be something that you needed because there's a lot of people who could just function without thinking that's something that they needed. What did you know that you wanted to do in the world that you knew you needed to be able to speak to people? Yeah. Um, So the thing is, I had a very specific goal at a very young age and all my childhood friends, if you were to ask them, what is Caesar going to be? I like drilled it in everyone. Caesar's goal. I'm going to be a billionaire. Like that is my goal. I'm going to be absolutely fucking rich. I'm going to run, I'm going to run huge corporations. And it was like this insane motivation. I was like, I'm going to graduate top 10 of my high school because this is the path. I'm going to be at the top of my class. I'm going to go to a great university and then I'm going to build crazy businesses. And in order to do that, I need to be able to speak in front of a group of people. And I saw it very, very vividly. I remember freshman year when, uh, I almost cried. I, I cried once in uh, sixth grade in a presentation because I was so nervous in front of the whole class. And in, in uh, freshman year of high school, it almost happened again because I, I started sweating and stuff. And I knew, dude, like I, I need to get good at this because I need to be able to inspire a shit ton of people in a company. And uh, that was my motivation behind it. And that pushed me to run for like... Um, club like you know clubs you run for like executive positions like president of the avid club I yeah did, i did debate um even though i was i think i could have been good at it but i didn't do it long enough but the, the times that i did it i was terrible at it i lost i think every one of them but i I'm was so shocked that you you seem like a, a reasonable person like you just could see the both sides of everything i couldn't see you debating someone on something i i would get nervous because it was a competition and i would focus on the fact that i had to win and that like I needed to convince the person, the person, the judge would always just look at you with this stoic face. Like <laughs> and I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Usually when I'm in a conversation, I can tell if I'm hitting if I'm hitting like some sort of like strings. Right. Like, oh, this person, she liked what I said. Let's talk more about that. These judges were so stoic. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if what I'm saying. And the people who were I was against, they treated they treated it like a game. They were like. Judge the opposition. The opposition is completely wrong because of a, and then I, they were they were so impressive. I was like, so Fuck. it's like the movies. It's like oh, it's like the it's movies. for real. It's for real. Yeah, the opposition is presenting the fact that, and yeah, it was crazy. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Niggas want to like feel real smart. I probably should have took debate. <laughs> I, I, I've been debating. I uh, I think you would have been really good at it. <laughs> I think you would have been really, really good at it. I do have a question for you. What, um, how is it possible that you don't know what Topo Chico is? I was editing a podcast today. (laughs) Dude, is this like a thing? I dead ass thought she was joking. I'm like, girl, are you, are you being funny? What is this word you made up? I don't know. I thought I couldn't hear her. What is this thing? Tell me, please. Oh my God. What? My listeners. Is it tea? They're not going to believe that you don't know what it is because I love this drink so much. I love it so much that when I first started talking to people, um, I was going to make it a thing that we were going to always drink Topo Chico's because this is the the drink that I know is not very popular, but I love it so much. It's a drink. It's usually, it's in a glass bottle. 
It looks like a Sprite, like a glass Sprite. It's so the, it's not very popular, but you're shocked that I've it's never very seen popular it? in oh. Austin, which is why, but not in like, I wouldn't say it's popular in the United States. It's very popular in Austin, which is why I'm. Oh, shit. I've seen this at the Mexican restaurant that I go to like every damn day. <laughs> yeah, it's Mexican. Yo. But it's amazing. I love it. I mean, at first I was like, oh, okay, it's just a sparkling drink. No, no, Brie. It's more than that. It's more it's than just $31. A it's probably a case. And it's, it's well worth it, Brie. Trust me. This <laughs> sound like some ginger fried ass shit. Why is it so much money? No, it's probably a case of like 30. Okay, how much is one? About 97 cents. Oh, yeah. all right. I might check it out. Yeah, it's so good. Get If you're going to check it out, you got to go with the lime, the twist of lime, because they have a lime flavor. It's the best. It's the best. If you don't drink soda, for me, if you drink soda, you're probably, you're going to be like, what, what is this shit? I don't drink soda. Oh yeah, I love it. At all. I love it. I had never heard those two words put together ever. I'm just Topo so shocked that you said that. So when she brought that up, you were looking like, what the hell? She doesn't know what this is. <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> I was laughing. For the audience, a little context. I was editing Bree's episode that she uh, did and she was talking about Topo Chico. So, yeah. Dude, me and my best friend told our deepest secret on the episode. I wonder if you got to that part, if it was so jumbled at that part. I like we... Okay. Maybe, maybe we, I, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I only edited at the beginning. I'm still editing. Okay. Cause we literally got off and, and we're telling each other, like, dog, Cesar could blackmail us. Like, he's the only one in the world. It's a part that you're supposed to cut out. But after we talked about it, I was like, bitch. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't know. All right, so don't. don't it's disgusting. Don't it's awful. It is. It is. Ugh. Yeah. It's awful. It is awful. Like it is our secrets that are like we taking it to the grave. It's, oh man. I she was know. like. Did she you? was like Loki. We should put it in the blooper. I was like, bitch, are you crazy? <laughs> no. You're. Uh... You're making this. I want to hear now. You uh, want to hear now. You will never look at me the same again. You're like, I knew this bitch was crazy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like, if you ever accidentally leave that part in there, I will kill you. Like, on some real shit. It's oh, awful. Well, okay. Well, you know what it is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Will I know if I get to it? Yeah. We, yeah. We're talking, so it's it's like intermission, and we're talking about like, oh. no, this is actually the most worst thing that ever happened to me. No, for real. And then we like both. I was like, okay, dude, yours isn't that bad. I'm a top it. She was like, oh no, bitch, I draw the line. That's awful. I was like, I know it happened to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a sex story, and you're gonna be like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna look at me, and you're gonna be like, what the hell is wrong with her? Anyways. It wasn't by purpose. It wasn't on purpose. Um, I wanted to know what made you like, just even the story you just told me right now, just blows my mind because I had none of this confidence until almost 30 years old. What made you so confident enough to put yourself out there, to put that ad out there and just go into business with yourself? Like you were just uh, emailing me and it said like chief executive officer. I was like, (laughs) I am writing the boss. (laughs) Tell us. Oh my God. This is a very good question. I think this is a very good question because I, I haven't been asked this question and I think it, it gives a lot of insight into- I'm popping cherries. You're popping okay. cherries. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So what gave me the confidence to do it was more of a, uh, it was more of a journey. It was a culmination of things. It wasn't just like one day, oh, I'm just going to start emailing. It's, it's the whole journey, right? I mean, you can go all the way back from when I, that dream of me wanting to be a billionaire and then me convincing everyone to vote for me for most likely to be rich my senior year. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's when the, the journey started. Then I went to college and I, I spent a lot of time wondering why am I in college? I should just be building businesses, but never really doing anything about it. College ends. And I mean, I'm hit with life like, okay, you either got to get a job or like do something. So I did get a job for a little bit. Um, but I knew what I've, I really knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be my own boss. And throughout this whole journey, especially in college, I started listening to podcasts, particularly uh, Tim Ferriss, the Tim Ferriss show, who's been possibly my biggest influence. Tim Ferriss is an author, entrepreneur. He wrote the book called The 4-Hour Workweek. Remember the one that I that you bought when, when we started the podcast. And I started listening to his podcast and he has some of the craziest guests. Like they're the best in their field, actors, athletes, entrepreneurs. And from him, I started kind of to learn what it takes to be extraordinary. And that meant doing a lot of things that make you uncomfortable. It said, if you really want to be extraordinary, if you want to be live an extraordinary life, you're going to have to do extraordinary things. And that requires for you to get out of your comfort zone because the reason not everyone does it is because it's so easy to be comfortable. You know, it's so easy to stay comfortable. So you're going to have to train yourself to be comfortable with discomfort. And, um, I, after college, I got a job in, in LA working for a startup. And after six months I quit and I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to try it for a year. I'm going to go live with my friend in Austin and we're going to try to figure something out. And so I quit my job. I moved in with a friend and we we're like, we called it the fuck you money months. We're going to make fucking money, baby. So we, we came to Austin and we tried building a, a company of um, selling. Uh, we want to do social media management uh, for food trucks. And, and so that was, a, again, me taking the jump to quit my job and move to Austin was facing discomfort. Then after that, it was, uh, we started that company and we had to go get clients. So we were like, well, how the fuck do we get clients? I don't know. We were like, maybe we should just go door to door. So then we started going from food truck to food truck pitching like, Hey, no way. Yeah. Hey, my name's Caesar. This is my partner, Alex. And we own a, uh, <laughs> Texas internet marketing company. And, um, and, uh, we'd like to handle your social media and people would blow us off. Like, no, I don't need that man. And re or really, you know, sometimes you get the really, Oh, that's interesting. Let me talk to my, to my, um, my partners. And, um, from there, we got discouraged very easily because it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard, especially, I mean, I remember our first pitch, we had gotten a hold of a list of uh, all the companies in Austin that had just been filed for LLCs, which is like, a, it's a business license. Mm -hmm. And some of these were, had addresses of houses, which means that they haven't even been like built. So we went to hit up people's houses who we knew they were going to build businesses. They had already filed an LLC. And I remember our first pitch, Brilliant. we were so nervous. We waited outside the, um, 
we waited outside the house for like 30 minutes hyping ourselves up with music until we finally <laughs> gave a pitch that was all right it was all right and they were like okay we'll think about it <laughs> they had even forgotten about their business they had found they're like oh yeah that that thing yeah we're, we're thinking of doing it um but this was the beginning of us like discovering what it takes to kind of get people's attention um even though we didn't have any success after that i mean after that it was just a bunch of other trials and errors we we tried uh we tried selling quiche. We didn't really try. We started. A what the fuck is quiche, dude? I heard that on um, White Chicks. And apparently it made him shit really bad because he was lactose intolerant. Quiche is like, a, it's like a breakfast thing. It's it's like an egg pie. It's an egg pie. It's got like, it's got eggs. It's got heavy cream or some sort of milk. And a is lot it of good? A lot of cheese. It's pretty fucking a good. A lot of cheese. Yeah. It's a lot of cheese. Yeah. And it's pretty fucking good. And it's a good way to um, preserve eggs for a long time, for like about a week. Like to meal prep eggs. So that's why we wanted to sell it as the perfect meal prepped breakfast that you can buy one of our quiches and have it for a week. That was so beautiful. you guys were, were actually baking it? Yeah, we were making it. We were making wow. it. It was actually my roommate. He, he he went all scientific and started experimenting with almond milk and shit. And um, oh, I love almond milk. Yeah, yeah. And he... um. We we set up the website and we actually got what do how do we we posted ads on Google Ads and we got a person who reached out to us, but then I think I was we were just looking for an excuse because I think I for some reason I think I was scared to like succeed I was scared and we we it's we, real. we kind of shut it down before anything because we found out it was illegal to sell egg like things with eggs out of your out of your uh, kitchen like you can sell cookies and shit but things that need to be refrigerated is it's illegal in texas to sell that so we stopped that then corona hit and um i mean i've just been learning about um when corona hit i learned there's a thing that tim ferris always talks about which is that uh he, he there's a story in the book the four-hour work week where he issues a challenge to a bunch of princeton a class of princeton students to reach out to people and and whoever gets the most uh, difficult person to reach, which is like the most famous or the, the biggest entrepreneur, um, whoever got a reply from them would get a free round trip around the world. Like he would pay for it. And he talks about how um, when he first issued the challenge, nobody did it because everybody thought everybody else was going to win. And, and so that idea, when he tells his story, he emphasizes how important it is, how you can really reach out to people. Like, this is something that nobody does. And so during Corona, That's I true. started reaching out to people. I started, I started just emailing um, local businesses, asking them if I could help in any way because I had a business degree and just offering my time. And so that practice got me a lot of confidence with emailing people which later down the line got me an internship. Like it got me an internship at a job at a cool catering company. It was like one of the coolest catering companies here in Austin is high end. It was all because of one email because I sent an email saying, Hey, my name's Caesar. I'm a business student. I got these skills. Let me know if I can help you with any projects. And they were like, yo, come down here. I ended up working like three months with them. And I got to work in a kitchen with chefs who have been chefs all their life. And it, 
anybody who's talked to me knows how I love cooking. And at that time I was thinking maybe I should be a chef and they gave me the opportunity to be in a kitchen and made me realize I don't want to be a chef. (laughs) (laughs) But you ask me, how did I have the confidence to email you? It's because by that time I had already been emailing a lot of people. And so, and I had been studying about, I mean, my, I very carefully chose everything that I was consuming, all my podcasts and stuff were about business. So I was always hearing these successful entrepreneurs talk about their stories of how they kind of faked it in the beginning. And a lot of this faking is like saying you're a CEO, even the startup I worked at when I was in LA, I worked at a startup and I realized, oh, business is a lot of bullshit in a good, like it's, it could be bad if you're a dick, right? But if you got the best intentions, business, sometimes it's a lot about perception. And so you have to change people's perceptions. You got to understand that on the outside, nobody really knows, uh, right? If I send you an email and I say I'm the CEO, I mean, it's going to hit people different ways, right? People who are- You saw it hit me. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. (laughs) People who are business-minded like me, if I see CEO, I'm like, if I don't know the CEO, I'm like, all right, this guy might be like me. He might be- he might be a CEO or he might just be some guy who puts CEO there, but people who are not very business minded, it, it changes perception. And, um, it's not a bad thing. I didn't do it in a bad way. Right. Because right. That you help me? Yeah. That helped, that helped push you to say yes, which built a great relationship, I think, and gave value to both of our lives. Yeah, it was, it, it took you a while to write me back. Cause I was like, dude, I'm gonna just go find a, uh, um, producer because I have been trying to do this podcast for a whole year and you took a while to write me back I think you were catering or you were doing something and you finally wrote back like I think I wrote you on like a Thursday you wrote back on like a Monday and when we fade you were like we're gonna FaceTime so I was going through all type of shit at that time I had just had like a terrible breakup and I was mm. just really trying to keep it together I was just all in my head and not feeling confident at all I was like I'm gonna just do this podcast no one will listen to it whatever you that FaceTime call we had you were just so like validating and like no like I really feel like you're on to something and blah blah and a part of me felt like this guy don't know me he's just full of it but another part of me the biggest part of me was like he believes in me so I'm gonna believe in myself (laughs) one of the questions I have here is um did you actually believe in me and what was your honest perception of me the first time we talked I believe the first time we talked you told me about your idea Right? Yeah. Yeah. And um the message you wanted to send out to the world. And and so I uh, from speaking to you when I was talking to you of, of course I didn't know you, but I felt the energy and as you were talking to me I could tell you have a personality that I would enjoy listening to on a podcast. Like it, it's very like yeah, she's got personality. Like she's a, like she can carry a podcast and that that was through experience through my podcast. And because of the very specific message that you wanted to send, I thought it was really cool. And I thought during like, I thought it was something that people would really enjoy listening to. So I, I did believe in you. And, and, and I saw how passionate you were about, because you right off the bat, you were very passionate about it. Um, so I, it shocks me to know that you didn't believe in yourself because you were talking about it so passionately. Sometimes we do that, right? Where we sell ourselves. Like we feel like we have to sell ourselves. And I'm, I'm like, I was like, yeah, I see it. But apparently you didn't see it, which shocks me. Hell no. I was like, I really felt like, okay, this guy is going to just get it together for me. And of course you did. But, you know, the material was all me. But 
I did not think that I would be where I am now. And I didn't think that it was going to be nearly as good. I thought maybe my five friends who I know is going to listen to it and it'd be like a diary that I listen to a year from now and just therapy. But I had no idea people like it would get this type of response. I'm, I'm still shocked. But it was literally because that conversation, had you been anyone else or been like, oh, okay, just very frank about it. And I was like, okay, send me some stuff or get it together. I'll help you. But you were like, no, dude, like you, I can't tell you how important that push you gave me that day. It it did all this. Like, that's why I tell you all the time. And I'm like, when we are rich and I am known, like, <laughs> it's going to be amazing that we're like two rich ass people. I'm like, dude, remember that time we wasn't? Like, <laughs> well, I'm very glad. I'm, I'm glad I did that. I, I'm glad um, I was able to do that. And, you know, it, it's very, um, it is very interesting that that first meeting we had because in the past, I think I would have been nervous, but for some reason for that meeting, I wasn't. And I think that allowed me to be more of myself. And that I think what you're talking about is more of myself. The With my friends, I'm always kind of very positive, very optimistic, very like, no, no, no. Yeah, you can do it. Um, I've met Europeans who tell me that's a very American thing that you can do it attitude. Wow. Like, so I feel, which I think it's one of the reasons I, I love America, even though we have a lot of issues we need to work to work through this optimism I I like it um but so yeah I just and I and I saw that I mean I was just really excited to get to the opportunity to work with you you know Um, yeah it was I for me it was awesome to finally have a client and I was like no 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 like you got a personality we could do this and um it was cool seeing the first podcast you made um because all you needed I didn't know how that structure really helped you out. Cause you asked me like, I don't know how to do any of this. And I just said, well, maybe like write down like a, like a, oh, like an outline. Yeah. And, and then you were like, Oh yeah. And then it clicked. <laughs> and I went to your house later and you, you had a whole badass outline and, and you were like, I don't know how the tagline, the tagline came up, but I think you asked no, me, either. You, I think you asked me, how do I start it? And then I said, well, um, I, I, I usually start mine with like a tagline, like something that you, people remember you by like oh Dose Caesar. And then you were like, Oh, okay. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think we were like texting <laughs> and you just came up with that, but it's, it's so cool. Damn. You can see, you, you, we can both look back and see how the podcast, I think it's easy to see projects and say, Oh, I don't know. They're geniuses. How they made it, made it right. If somebody admires your podcast, they'd be like, it's so cool. But what we saw is we experienced it. We saw the progression of how it wasn't all at once. It was kind of like a piece after piece, after piece, after piece. And if we stayed consistent with it, I mean, I'm talking, talk about the, the black sheep of the week song, and then I'll put it right here. Um, (sighs) That just came about. Because of a random episode, an episode Dude. of us we interviewing, and we were like, "You were like, hey, can we put that? You said it. That was your idea. Can I put that as the the jingle?" And then I was like, "Yeah, we could do that." And then that became the jingle, and 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 you got that 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 song from that guy. You were like, "My friend made this song," so it, it kind of oh all just God. comes together as you start doing it. But it's so easy to get stuck at the beginning because it looks so daunting. But you really just, I mean, we we have to start. But, and I say that <laughs> currently 
being stuck on current projects. You know, I already know this knowledge, but I still have that problem of starting because I'm like, how am I going to do it? I can't do it. But it's just kind of, even though you have this knowledge, so it's a constant, like every day you have to keep pushing. Every day you have to keep creating, keep getting uncomfortable and consistency and shit. But yeah. You know, I remember working at the post office and I was on like this machine. And I mean, every single day I would go into my um, my car on lunch. I'll be on the machine and think of all these ideas for a podcast. Then I'll go to my uh, car on lunch and just pretend I was on my podcast or write down ideas that I would want to talk about. But then every time I would go back from lunch and I would go back up on the machine and be like, I'm probably never going to do this. Like, I'm never going to have a podcast. Like, I couldn't even see myself actually learning this equipment or actually putting this together, actually knowing what the fuck to do. And I see all these geniuses, like you said, have their own podcast, but they have all this production behind it. Like, I thought about it for like I planned the podcast for a year, but I thought about this for years. Like really, wow. yes, sitting at my stupid ass <laughs> desk, the post office, so miserable, thinking that I would. I thought that this was the most accomplishing thing. Like I just knew I could never get there. So the fact that like I'm actually doing what years ago I never thought. Like I've I've been looking up to this person that I am right now, and I'm like. I can't believe I'm doing this shit. I'm just so thankful to you because like I have one of the questions I have on here is what advice do you give to people who want to start? And it's like, y'all literally just do it. I am like no one special. Cesar, as amazing as he is, he is no one special. We are literally just people who did it. We yeah. said we were going to do it. And we, I reached out and and talked to him. We came up with a price. I, I pay all my bills by myself. I have kids. I did not think I was going to come up with it. But when you want something bad enough, just fucking do it. Just start it. My first episode, I thought it was terrible. And when I got done, Cesar was like, you just kept going. You never, st- you just like, you just flowed. It was like, I literally just did it. And then added things, added the jingle, like he said, added the black sheep of the week, added getting my nuts off. Just, I just kept going and growing there. Like, it's not linear. And I'm not just going to get to a point where it's just all together. No, like, just do one thing just do it and i just sent hit on that little craigslist ad because that's where i met Cesar. i press send and that started all of this just do it yeah i i i agree because I, I was gonna ask you what now that you're at episode 20 which is crazy because that's 20 weeks that we've done it you know um how i was gonna ask you what advice you have i think that's great um to add on that i think perfectionism is the thing that I struggled with. I wanted to always get it, get it perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, in the beginning, I think that's something that you had as well, which is like, ah, oh, that sucked. But I think I we're really hard on ourselves and we stop ourselves. And I think it's important to just keep putting shit out there and keep creating. And this is something that I still, I'm training myself to do. Because you can see that with my podcast. In the last four weeks, I didn't release a podcast. Um, but I'm, I'm getting back on it. And I've been recording a lot, a lot lately. But I think it's so important to, uh, to just keep consistently putting shit out there, um, even if it's not the best. Because sometimes you need those days that are like, eh, to get the good ones. Yeah, and... Just piggybacking off on that, like every single one of my episodes, they're not, every episode is not good, but 
every episode will make you laugh. Like er, there's going to be a part, there's going to be something in every single episode that someone is going to get. So you talking or you creating, or you doing something for a certain period, something, somebody, there's too many people in this world for someone not to get something out of something that you said, no matter what it is. So literally just do it. I think, yeah, I think if you don't focus, I think it's, it would be good to focus on just what you would like to listen to because oh it's so daunting to focus on what other people would think which is why i don't get on social media a lot because i just i know that i that's one of the things that for me it would take a lot of brain power to like deal with the constant thought of other people like judging so uh, so i just i just kind of don't even make that a factor i'm just like i'm just going to post a podcast and i'm going to keep doing it and then eventually you get to the point where you're like, I think I'm ready to start kind of advertising it and kind of telling people about it. That was like the best advice you gave me because remember when I first started, I was like, well, I want to do this. But I was like, I want to write it. for, I want to make this for black women, but I don't want anyone white to, to listen to it and think they can't hear it. Or I don't want blah, blah to listen to it and think they can't hear it. Or you I was even talking about you. I was like, like do you even know about these things? And you're like, no write it for you, like write it for what you're interested in, because then those people, all those people will be the ones who come to you and and who are listening to you will find your people. And I had so many, like, I grew up in a, in a, household and culture that's super Southern. And I had so Mm -hmm. many ideas in my head of the people I wanted to please that hearing that from you, you give me like, you give such great advice. Every time I get stuck, you're just like, chill or calm down, blah, blah. Like you make it so simple. It's great having you because you like, I just did it for me. There's things that I talk about that I know men is going to be pissed off about, or there's things that I talk about that I know white people may be pissed off about or whoever, but there are so many people out there who really get what the hell I'm talking about, like write or create for you and and whoever that you're creating for. And that's good enough. That was the best thing that you ever told me. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it, I, it's, it's, I found it really helpful because Tim Ferriss is the person who taught me that it's kind of like, you want to make it wow. so specific and you want it to be something that you would listen to because at least the way he says it is if you would listen to it, at least you have an audience of one person, right? And so if you have an audience of one person, then you get all the people, I mean, you'll get all the people that are like you, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that'll lead to, um, I mean, you want people, you want some people not to like it because if, if, that, if some people don't like it, then that means some people really do like it. You know, and these, yes. these, these aren't like my ideas. These are just things that I've uh, I've learned from other people and then I've seen them myself. And it's kind of like me. I think I'm a very polarizing person. I think you are too. It's either people really like me or they kind of like, "Ah, I don't know about that guy. I mean, sure, there's some in the middle, but I think there's more on opposite ends, you know? And I'm sure it's really, you seem like a really likable. Oh no, people can't stand me, but you, you seem like a really likable person. But I think it's, well, thank you. Thank you for the kind words, but I think it's, it's better. It's good to be really, really likable. And then, and then for some people to like hate you, because that means you'll have like really diehard fans, you know, they'll be like, I love Brie. I love Brie. I don't <laughs> that just is like so true. I, I like love Brie. And that, those are the diehard fans that you want. And remember what I told you 
one of the one of the things that I used on our first call was I told you about that I wanted to help you find your one thousand true fans. Yes, which I have is, never forgotten that. Which is not my idea. It's an idea that I found through Tim Ferriss, which is uh, which he found through a, a man named Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly talks about the idea of a uh, in this world like of so many people, you could find a thousand people. There are a thousand people out there waiting to hear what you have to say, waiting to use your product and they're going to love it. And all you have to do is find those 1000 people and you can live a life uh, like you can live the life that you really want that life of, of freedom of truly expressing yourself through those 1000 fans. So, Oh, well, shifting gears because boring. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some um, kind of weirdest questions, yeah. but when's the last time you cried? Last time I cried was like a week, not a week ago, like a couple, a month ago. I think it was a month ago. I started to do this. I read a book and I got really vulnerable and I think it helped. I think it helped. You yes. on it? <laughs> I mean, if you want to, I kind of want to know what, what triggered you. I just realized I had never asked myself what I wanted to do. I've just been telling myself what to do. And, uh, it was a weird thing. It was like, kind of like, I also I had realized I didn't love myself. And so it was like, uh, yeah, I just, I realized like, Whoa, I don't love myself, which has led me to push a lot of people away who have like loved me. Oh, that's deep. I feel and, that. And I was talking to my mom and, and yeah. And, and then I told her and, and then it's just, it's, just, it's one of those cries where you cry, where you just cry. It comes out like the you can't stop one. it. Yeah. And then after that, I think there was another time because I was talking, I was trying to face shit that I was afraid of. And I was talking to my friend about finances and, uh, there's a friend who's got a lot of money. It's my best friend. He's got a lot of money. And I, uh, <laughs> and I don't really, and I, don't. <laughs> I really don't, at the moment don't really have a lot of money. Right. But we grew up I'll together you. and I, I just felt like his perception of me would change. And, uh, you felt like his perception of you would change if he knew you didn't have a lot. If, yeah, if he knew my, the state of my finances, because I, I'm still in the process of figuring out my money system. Um, so then I, cause he, he's going to become a financial advisor. And so I told him my situation like full on and, uh, and he, and I told him, dude, I don't know. I guess I thought my perception was going to, your perception of me was going to change. And then he was just yeah, like, best friends and y'all don't know how much money y'all each other has. Uh, well, not until that point, because I knew how much he had, but like, I don't think I had ever told him my situation because I was kind of avoiding it. I was kind of like, oh, I can't like, like, I didn't want to tell him because I didn't know what he would, um, what he would think. Like, I didn't know if he would think of me as like a loser. And then he just told me, he's like, no, bro, you're my brother. Like, I wouldn't, I would never like, nothing would you say would change my perception of you. And again, that was another cry that like. Dog, I was about to say, I would have cried. I cried. <laughs> I would have cried. I guess it's like a black like thing to everyone just knows. Like, I'm broke. You broke. We'd be like, I'm down to the last five dollars. We'd be knowing exactly how much each other has for real. It's, mm. it's never a secret. Um, how often do you masturbate? Honestly, in the last, you say this a lot. Um, <laughs> in, the, <laughs> yeah, in, we talk. in the last, I would say in the last two weeks, not that often. I think like twice uh, a week because I tend to do it when 
I don't have anything else to do. This is me. I'm not speaking for anybody else, just personally. So you busy? Not busy. I don't know. I think I'm just, I don't know, preoccupied with other things. But occasionally I'm going to, I reach a point where I'm like, oh, dude, we've, we've got something to take care of here. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and <laughs> I think you've influenced me a lot. No, just like, you know, I would laugh every time. Oh, because my pictures are cute or what? I'm no, just like... <laughs> Because you would every time I would leave, every time I would I know. leave, I would leave from recording at your place. You'd be like, "All right, masturbate. masturbate. <laughs> Make sure you masturbate." See like, I'm just trying to take care of all my friends' private areas. <laughs> like I, I told Dee, I don't know if you heard that episode about that that little machine. She just wrote me today, and she was like, "I tried that toy. Just came in the mail." My hand is still shaking right now as I write this. Dude, I... So, <laughs> oh, she said that? She said that. She wrote me and told me that her hand was Bro, still shaking as she wrote that. I was I said, listening to that I'm podcast. You, I'm telling you. I was listening to that podcast and you were raving about this toy. Oh you were talking God, about it like dude. you were really selling it. And I was oh like, my whoa. God. Whoa. I was like, this is... Because <laughs> you were really selling it. I was, I was like, like, I'm not being dramatic. And those women, I thought they were dramatic, but like my knees... They shake just thinking about it. Like, <laughs> D was like, dude, it's really great. I was like, I'm telling you, like, I almost wanted to cry. It, I can't believe it. I've never had anyone make me feel the way that little machine made me feel. Like, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. I, want, I wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I knew I had to add that to my arsenal. I was like, I need to know what this is so that I can, <laughs> so that I can blow girls' minds. So I can <laughs> blow them. Okay. <laughs> you asked the question because mine are. I got you. I got nice. you. I've been waiting for this. You answered my question of how, well, what made you want to start your podcast? I mean, I know you talked about how you had been planning it for a year, but what made you want to start your podcast? It was the fact that literally nobody around me like agreed with me. No one, like not one person, even D. And all that we talk about, Dee is just supportive, but she'll be like, mm. well, I mean, I, like she's not against how I feel, but she just, that's not how she normally sees the world and feels. My whole family, everyone that I met, like from the youngest age, I was always so, <laughs> that is so funny that you're drinking out of that. Why is it so big? <laughs> I'm drinking out of a, I am drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking out of a, a uh, what is this? This is a a blender. Like the, the a blender. blender machine, the <laughs> big ass blender. blender machine. I lost my water bottle, Brie, and and, <laughs> and so when we were about to it's start so the big. we were about to start the podcast. And I just think you call it big, I call it convenient because it. Has I don't know if y'all have ever seen um Deuce Bigelow. What is it called, Bruce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo? But I always when I see those blender machines, I think about them blending that fish up in that. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh my God, you're missing out. What were we talking about? We were talking about how uh, nobody agreed with you, which is one of the reasons we started the podcast. Literally no one. Like, and not only did my family not agree with me, they were like, bitch, you're weird. And it's insulting that you feel the way you feel about life. So I, and, and when I would bring up things and be like, that's racist or that's not okay, or they shouldn't act like that. And, and brought up the ways that people were groomed to think a lot of behaviors are okay it would almost irk them that their mindset and the way they have been thinking and feeling for so long it was like you basically telling them your reality is not real so Mm. 
I just had to find people who would honestly understand her. Even like you said, the thousand people in the world who they feel like this, but they're never allowed to speak like this because I was shut down to the point where people were ready to fight just because I felt like people or men can act this way or gay people should be able to to breathe freely. Like even speaking up made me like a target. So I was mm. like, let me talk to people who actually want to hear this shit instead of bugging the people who quote unquote love me and all that. Mm. That's how it started. <laughs> and um, when you were uh, on Craigslist, were you looking for a podcast thing? I was looking for, a, um, yeah, I was looking for a produ- producer to, do exactly what you did edit my show on craigslist you were looking for it on craigslist i well the craigslist was just literally my last option i was looking for it on this this specific uh web web website but producer for a podcast is such a particular thing i kept finding producers for songs and all these other things but for podcasts i wasn't turning up anything i found one white girl on this um Oh, you told this me about like, this girl. Yeah. And I can't remember what my issue was back then, or it was between you and her. And I just felt something when you wrote back. It just, it was the way you responded versus the way, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Whoa. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, you touched the I wish people could this. see the video, but go ahead. Yeah, it would be cool. Um, <laughs> we, maybe we should start doing video. I mean, everybody else does it. Um, what experiences in in like your youth shaped the your view of the world? Um, I know this is kind of a very general question, but I just oh think, no, it's not. No, okay. No, I know exactly what I'm gonna say. It was the two biggest things that shaped me was being black. It's like what is the word specifically? I can never think specifically. of specifically. Every time I get drunk, on there's so many episodes where I'm like, what is that word? Mm-hmm. And it's always specifically. Anyways, specifically being dark skin. So me being a woman and me being black and specifically dark skin shaped the way I was. So a lot of people who are not black or who are not women, they don't understand how controlled it is for you to grow up. So how you always thought in your head, I can be a millionaire. I can be, there's already a box on you and you're a woman. You automatically think, oh, I can marry a millionaire or I can marry this person. Or I could, you never think that this is actually going to be what you can do, especially alone. We are mm-hmm. groomed to feel like whatever we do accomplish, our husband is going to be the main part of that idea. You never think or about anything in context of it just being you. You never think I'm gonna just be a doctor and save war- lives the rest of my life. Even if I had told that to my mom and be like, okay, what is your, where's your family come in? So there was already a huge box on me for that. And then mm-hmm. men, like it wasn't until college when I was like attractive to men were men nice to me, not even in, in like school or around me, even at home, I was never like treated nice my Mm -hmm. cousins everyone like I never came in contact with men who were just or even boys who were like nice it was like walking around being a dark-skinned black woman was like a joke like you were literally the butt of a joke the moment you walked into a room Mm. like it, it, it was you you could not even exist you could literally shut up which is why a lot of black women are loud or outspoken because you can literally walk into something and people gonna say something about you like it, it was exhausting. So mm. I forgot your question. Uh, it was, it was a, uh, what experiences in your youth shaped the way you view the world? And you said oh. being a woman. So that being... was it. It's almost, so it's almost like for me, I can't 
be quiet. I can't be silent. I can't let my daughters grow up feeling how I felt, especially in a world like this. I just, I felt like I had to. I, I It's so crazy to me when people talk about like choices. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had a choice to stay silent about how I was suffering because there's too many other people who grew up the way I grew up and feel the same way. And it hinders you because sometimes I think like I'm like a fucking genius or sometimes the ideas or the things that I do, I'm like, no one would think of this, but that was something I suppressed as a kid because you just don't, you don't, you think you're smart, but you're not as smart as those people. You think that, oh, you're funny, but I'm not as funny as those people. I'm not like up there. You already think that like your cap is beneath people who don't look like you for no reason. So mm-hmm. that definitely shaped who I am. I'm like 30, just becoming the person who I've always been just now. Is that, do you think that makes you want to speak up uh, not only for yourself, but for uh, little girls who are growing up in a similar, having a similar experience as you? Is that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I think my whole podcast and my whole image and brand is specifically to empower little black girls, of course, black women. And I want all of black women to succeed, but I am looking at that little girl who I was suffering and not knowing what I was suffering because of. And I, I want to get to a place where it's fine. If I'm not famous, it's fine. If no one knows my name, but I want my impact to be something that people never forget. I want it to, it's, it's insane that I have so many people who do not like who literally, like you said, they either love you or hate, like really do not like me because my whole goal is to help people, like just help the people who are underrepresented or not typical or not, quote unquote, the normal, mm-hmm. just not have to suffer. I'm not even trying to push my ideas on anyone. I'm just trying to open up your mind enough to not hurt the people who do not think like you. Mm. That's all. I see. I see. I think one of the, the most um, one of the most interesting and I think bravest episodes you did was the episode where you came out as bisexual to uh, was it uh, it was <sighs> who did you come out to? Was it because some people knew already? Was it your friends and you? But it was your family didn't. My entire family. I have a huge family. My entire family did it. Only my like three friends knew only only my closest friends. Yeah. knew. it was like not three, mm-hmm. maybe like five or ten. But no, like. Even people who may have suspected from school or no, I came out to everyone, but my closest friends. What, what lessons did, uh, did you learn from like that podcast from doing that? Um, I guess what a better, a first question would be what led you to do it on the podcast? I knew that I wouldn't be able to continue to podcast and talk about the things that I wanted to talk about without saying that. Mm, Like I knew that there was still like a barrier that I was not touching because I would not, I would not say that. And it was, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, it's crazy because there was like a memory that popped up on Facebook of, of the things that I wrote about myself in college. And one of them was, I feel like I'm living a double life and one day, like it will be the end of me or something. It was some dramatic ass shit. And I was like, damn, even then I knew that I was living as two different lives. This is the first time in my life where like, I feel like I am actually living my own life and I'm not living for other people. And the biggest thing that that doing that taught me was that people, even the ones who love you, even the ones who took care of you and have done all these things for you, people will always do 
what they want for themselves. So even mm-hmm. if you have like my biggest pressure was my parents and frankly, I'm gonna be honest, like my mom, someone who raised me and took care of me and did everything for me. My mom is like the most amazing mom. Like when I see my friends whose parents like don't care about them, I'm like, dude, I could never imagine because my mom was so amazing. But she was so against like my sexuality. And I know she had little hints of it. It was to the point where no matter how much love I like she had for me and how much I thought it was unconditional, it was definitely conditional. Like it was conditioned on making her proud. A lot of parents care more about you being the person they had for you in their head than you being happy. Like if you don't become the person that they envisioned you to be, that is more like terrifying for them than you being unhappy or something happening to you. Mm. Like, it just, it broke down so many walls because there was a moment where me and my mom got into a really bad situation because she chose what she wanted over how painful it would be for me about a whole different, another situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And her doing something so painful to me and me asking her why she would do it and her just being like, this is my life. That moment right there told me, yeah, you're right. It is. If that hurts me so bad, what you did it doesn't matter because it's your life and you get to choose it. So why have I spent my whole life trying to please mm. you and the rest of my family when mm. it's my life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was deep. And I needed, wow. I needed her to have done that to me for me to realize like, girl, just live your life and let people be upset because if they really do love you, they will be okay. Because this is, I mean, it's literally me. I can't, I, I, this is just me. Dead mm. So looking back, do you think you should have done it sooner? Hell no, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back, I I wish that I could say that I would have done it sooner so I wouldn't have been so oppressed. But my, my family is so tied to my existence that had I came out earlier, I would have been isolated and cut off and not had the support that I needed at that time. I'm in a place now where I can financially take care of myself and my children. I work from home. I have the help. Mm. Had I came out at that time, that would have been cut off and I would have been in a really bad tight situation and not had the help because like, frankly, it was based on that. It was based on being the person they wanted me to be, or I would have been cut off in certain ways. Wow. Yeah. So with that in mind, what, what advice would you give young people who were, are like in a similar situation where they haven't really told anyone they haven't come out? Uh, maybe they're young and maybe they're in their teens or maybe in their, in their twenties, maybe they're in college. Uh, and I think that would be maybe two separate scenarios, but what advice do you give to them? My advice would be, be you, no matter what, even if it's something that you know you have to hide. If you're, if you're in college and you know that you'll be cut off and you have to hide it, okay, hide it. But in the privacy of wherever you are, wherever you can be you at any capacity that you could be, because even though I was living a double life, had I not chosen to have at least that part of me at college, I would have I would have probably died. I honestly would have probably killed myself. I'm not being extreme. I'm an emotional and sensitive person because I've been picked at since a child, since a baby. And it's like, had I not chosen to live that double life and be who I was privately, it would have been the end of me. Like, Mm. and the moments where I had children and tried to be what everyone wanted to be, like, 
I literally did. I almost lost my life. It was, I, I ended up in a really terrible situation. And my advice would be to just be you at whatever capacity that you can be. And I know it's hard and I know it's scary, but the alternative may be life threatening. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Did you, 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 uh, you talked a little bit about college. Um, what was college like for you? What did you take from college? Like what, what lessons did you learn during that period okay, I, of your life? I'm going to answer and then I need you to answer too, because you went to UT. Um, so I went to Texas state and I would say college was like the best years of my life. I went to a high school that was predominantly Hispanic or like basically all Hispanic and extremely racist. Parents was racist. I had never been around black people the way I was in college. And I still went to a college that was pretty white. So I, I got roomed at a dorm that was like a whole bunch of black people. And just being able to be black was like a huge deal. Like people don't understand the tax of being black. Like people, you, you are judged when you walk into someone's home, they stare at you. Like it's such a box that like I was just born like this. I can't not be it. So to go and exist in a space where it's like you're forced to not be exactly what you are is nuts. So college was like, college is the bomb. College was when I realized I was smart as hell. I would party, stay out late and still like make A's. I was like, what the fuck? And um, it also showed me how to be adult because I didn't realize how sheltered I was until I went to college. Mm. I didn't know how to iron. I know how to cook. I didn't know my, I, my mom did everything. Like I was a spoiled bitch. I had two dads and a mom. I was spoiled as fuck. So college, college changed everything. College. I love college. <laughs> I agree. What about you? Oh yeah. If it changed my world, it changed my world. The, the experience of college, which for me was, uh, I did, uh, the biggest thing I did was studying abroad. I did four study abroads and that opened my world up. Once I started studying abroad, I was able to experience like, holy shit, like the United States, there are a lot of benefits to being born in the United States. Um, when you compare it to places, um, to other countries, a lot of other countries and, um, and I, I went to South Africa. I saw a lot of poverty there. I went to China. I saw a lot of poverty there um, in Thailand as well. Um, but I also saw a lot of happiness, you know, and it was weird and in different cultures. I saw, I saw values were different. Not everyone was chasing the billions of dollars like I was. And I saw people. The finding, rat race. Yeah. I saw people finding happiness in uh, very simple lives very simple, but very fulfilling lives, full of experience, like deep, rich experiences. I remember meeting this guy in South Africa who all he did was take people on tours to go surfing and bungee jumping and shit. And that guy loved life. Um, and Damn, so for me, it, for me, it opened a world of possibility. It showed me, it made me feel like, all right, dude, I, f I feel like I have an obligation to the world to do something great and to help level the playing field somehow like i know the person tim ferris the one who i follow did that for me and i wanted i want to i want to continue to do that level the playing field for people in other countries but also people in my community you know i know i know how where i came from el paso also i was in a bubble like you talk about you don't know how sheltered you are but you also don't know how much you don't know like there's there's when you yeah UT, i mean you can see how 
certain kids have so many advantages, but I'm sure they don't even realize it as well. I mean, I'm one of those kids who had so many advantages compared to other kids. I came from a very low family and stuff. Do you come from money? I don't come from money, but I do come from middle class. Like I don't come from like rich, super, super like rich. Right. But but like well off. I never had to worry about money. Okay. Right. Well off. I I never had to worry about money. I went to very good schools. I grew up in a very, very good neighborhood. You know, it was like the American dream. And it's funny because I always want, I always wished when I was a kid, I was like, ah, it'd be so cool to uh, grow up in a castle. And uh, I uh, like, you know, what I, what I meant by that was it'd be cool to be like royalty, like super rich, like oh. the people I saw on, on TV, like the, in England. Like, Where did I was that like, start from? So it started from that? No, well, I, I, I think, I think I would see people like the, like Kings and shit on TV. And I was like, oh, imagine living in a castle and just being super rich. You had it all. What was it about that lifestyle that intrigued you? Like what intrigued this- me was that I felt that I they had it all and they felt like they could have anything they wanted. And um, I don't know, for some reason I had a blind spot where I didn't see that that was practically me when compared to the rest of the world. I was practically I, I grew up in a castle where I could practically have anything. <laughs> like, you know, That's maybe a- Maybe your parents tell you you can't have this, but it doesn't mean you can't have it. It just means they, they're not going to let you, they're not going to buy it for you. You know what I mean? But I, we yeah. had the money and stuff. That's the bad thing about having social media or even my daughter's doing YouTubers because we moved in this fucking big ass house because of like where we lived before was suitable. But seeing people on TV, it always makes kids think, I want more, I want more, I want more when we're very privileged compared to the rest of the world. Like we are extremely privileged and she still thinks we're like dirt poor in this damn house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, well, I think you can, you can kind of see why though, because she, she's only had certain experiences and all she's comparing it to is, is what she's lived and what she's and what she sees and what she knows. Right. And, and so that's why I always talk about we're in a bubble. We're always in a bubble. And so I think it's, I mean, it's about expanding that bubble. It's about, and that requires to, for me, I think that means meeting new people, talking to new people all the time from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, going to new places, uh, trying new things. So another question I wanted to ask you, and and this is a perfect uh, transition. Was there anything meeting me or listening to my podcast that you had no idea about black people, about black women or anything that you learned and was like, wow. I've, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of things that I, I need to think about this, but what comes to mind, the first thing was when you told me that there is a very small section in the cosmetics department, in the hair little. department, like a tiny little section for, <laughs> for black women's hair, black women's yeah. hair. Like there's a very like one shelf or something. You said you Literally. got a big ass aisle and then you mm-hmm. got one little shelf for, was it, did you say for curly Ethnic hair? hair. Ethnic hair. Ethnic hair. <laughs> ethnic. Yeah. When it's literally said, called the ethnic aisle. Yeah. When you said that, that blew my mind. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> That's not- Remember when Fifi came, Valencia, she did a whole project over it. Yeah. And all of our lives, we just thought, oh, that's cool. We know exactly where to go in our section. And the older, the older you get, I told my mom about that in a store one time. She was like, here she goes. I'm like, is that not crazy? We have this little spot. We have to literally go up north to a whole store that's for us. And, and 
anyone else could just go to the department store or anywhere and get regular shampoo. We can't use that shit. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing is, um, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of references you make about shows and games that like, I <laughs> like the black taboo. What is this? You said it's yeah. like the black taboo. Discretion. Discretion. Is black taboo. <laughs> like there's all these things that I don't know about. Um, but uh, the other <laughs> things that if we're, if we're going to get deeper, listening to your experiences, right. And mm-hmm. um, from your perspective about how, about the racism you experience and about the subtle, I guess, on what people think is, what people don't think is racism, but is racism. Yeah. We're like, um, I don't know, you give a lot of examples. I think one time you were telling a story about how you and your friends were sitting at a restaurant and some guy came up to you and he said like, oh, my girls or something like that. Like he wanted to, he, he wanted to make it obvious that he wasn't racist. He said, oh God, he said, that white cop. Oh my God. He said, I, I love seeing black women like together or something like that. Right. Yeah. That's so funny. Since that instance, that's happened like four times since then. Yeah. It happens that's, every time we go out. Yeah. That's weird. I, I mean, I find that weird because it's just, I mean, I can see, I mean, how does that make you feel? At least I, it, it, because it's just, you're just a regular person. Right. And, and like, it's, I mean, you are a regular person, but it's like, you don't, people that that's like a so racist thing because you're making a big deal about it. Um, yeah. It, it, it gets uncomfortable because we just go out and we just want to have a good time. That's the thing. People think that black people start all these problems or we do this when we go out and we're minding our whole black ass business people. I don't know what people's obsession with black people is, but I have never once ever gone out with my group of black girls and not been approached by someone who wasn't black i'm not playing like there has never been one time and it has never been a time where they just came over and was like oh my god i look great it is always they come over and say something so off the wall something so racist and they're always aggressive they're even if they meant well they come so aggressive and we're, we're usually in a bar someone's drunk but what are they, they want like to... what's an example okay so uh okay after my book club, I had a book club and all these white women in book club were doing all type of microaggressions. I went to my girl kids event. When I got there, there was a white boy. There was two, two gay guys there. One was like literally white with, with curly hair, just completely. He said he wasn't white, but I mean, literally white, blue eyes and just came to our event. He lived in, in the building, just came to our event. So all these black women was like, I'm getting in on this came and was, um, jumped into every single conversation aggressively and was like, yeah, white people stupid, but like, just, it was like, dude, first of all, we don't know you. It's Corona. You don't have a mask on. It happens every time they just want to come over. They want to co-sign. They want to be like, I'm so not racist that you need to know right now. And if you don't want to accept it, you're literally like the angry black woman. Or you're like, if I went up to any random person who I didn't know and just started saying all these things, they would, I would think they would look at me crazy, but there's something about being a black person where other people think you're like the help. They automatically think, if I want to say something to you or do something, just be okay. Be happy that I'm recognizing you. They think black people should be so happy that they're getting attention that deal with whatever I say, because mm-hmm. it happens every single time. And to the point my friends, they didn't notice it until I brought it up and they were like, it has happened to us every single time. I say, yes. And then we sit here like 30 minutes, listening to some random person's story and trying to make them feel good about the fact that they like us. 
what the fuck, dude? And mm-hmm. then we feel like we have to be in a little good nigga's place and not say the wrong thing and be like, yeah, we want to show them that black people are kind and black women are so nice. So let's be nice. No, I, since I've lived in Austin long enough, I'm like, no, they need to, they need a step. And then everyone's like, Bree, like everyone's having a good time. I'm like, this happens every single time. I just want to talk to y'all about your promotion, what you're doing. I swear to God, I'm not being dramatic. It happens every time we go somewhere. People are just so excited that they see attractive black black women or black girls and they got their hair. They don't look ghetto. They don't look like trash. They're so enamored by it that it's like, oh my God, I just saw like a lion. I just saw a lion at a zoo that I just walking around. Let me go over there and talk to the lion and pet the lion. And it is, hmm. it is so exhausting. It is because you, then you have to respond in a way that makes you not the threatening black person, but you know, I don't give a fuck. I've been here too long. So I'm like, are we going to spend an hour on this person? Are we going to get them to fuck away? And then we get to enjoy our time. But I am the only one, the only one. Everyone is just like, let's just be nice and have a good evening. It happens every single time we go out it's like people don't see black people gather they're like god y'all look good holy shit let me go over there and not mind my business yeah i think it's also a kind of like a social validation thing like they want to prove that they are on like the right side hell Um, yeah everyone's white guilt coming out hella hard mm -hmm. and yeah i see i see how that's uh there might be like several intentions there, but I, I do see how possibly they might think that they are doing the right thing. But like, like I said, maybe perhaps they're not having genuine conversations, like people to people conversations to like truly understand, like, like you should just be normal or like not, you know what I mean by normal yes. is like you meet someone and then you get to know them. And then like as a you, person. you get to know them as a person. Yeah. Not, not just, yeah and then like you truly say what you believe and understand why you believe what you believe um, and also if you think about it in the context of because i hope a lot of your listeners hear this and and i know a lot of people just don't know how to act when they're around black people they ain't around black people if you approach a black person and want to let them know you're not racist or just admire them. Think in your head, are you doing this for them? Do you really care about them? Are you doing this for you? Because you can always tell who's doing it for the validation of them. They come over there and they want you to know so bad they're not racist. I don't even know you. So why would I care if you came over there and told me you're not racist? Mm. So you're doing it for you. You came over here to validate yourself. You're not leaving the situation doing anything for us. So what was your point? Mm. Like when I tell you, I see so many um like ads are like from black women that says literally just leave black women alone. Like that we don't want anything extra, but to be left alone. We just want to go somewhere and be a person in the room and not the black person. Cause I'm a dope ass bitch who just happens to be black. I'm not a black woman trying to yeah. carry that way all yes. the fucking time. So every time that you're around people who are not black, you are the black person. Always. Yeah. That's what that means. You know, the time when, when through the study abroad that I did, I was, it was very, um, I think it was very, it, it was very interesting because the, um, two of the study abroads, most of the students I went with were, uh, they were black because, and it was by design because our professor primarily chose uh, um, students who were minorities, which is why I think one of the reasons I was chosen because I was Mexican, Wow! Uh, but he wanted to expose more, more minorities. I mean, he did take uh, like white people as well, but he wanted to bring minorities to um, to see the world. He, and That's I had amazing. a conversation. Yeah, his name's Dr. Moore. Incredible, 
incredible one. My favorite professor. No, he's black. Oh, okay. He was my favorite professor in college because he was not only like the most powerful speaker that I heard. I mean, that freshman class, I it's, it was unforgettable. It's what made me want to go to South Africa. Him talking Hell. about him talking about how there was racism. I had no idea. I mean, because why? Because yes, I knew there had been racism, but I grew up in El Paso in a uh, where my my school was. Everybody was Mexican. We had a, maybe like two black people, one Asian, and everybody was Mexican. And I was light, lighter skinned. I basically, I was basically thought I was white because I wasn't. You're white person, Mex- yeah. I, I wasn't one of the Mexicans who the border was right there, and and I, I didn't speak Spanish a lot, and I didn't really identify with a, a lot of Mexican culture, even though I was in Mexican culture, right? There was levels to Mexican culture. I thought, oh, no, no, I'm white. But then I came to UT and I realized, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know, because that's the people I went to school with. Yeah, yeah, like some of them were real Mexican. Then there was like Hispanic. Those are the ones who were racist as fuck. Yeah. Not you, but I'm saying I know the difference. I, I feel you, but yeah. you know, me coming to UT made me see that and made me really appreciate where I came from, my culture. And it also, Hell yeah. you know, this class with Dr. Moore and going to South Africa, um, it made me see how there is still like real issues. Um, the class we we took that he taught was called race in the, in the age of Obama because Obama was still president. Wow. And the next year he called it race in the age of Trump. And it was just about race. And that's when I learned about redlining. I learned about all the things that that were done in the United States to literally make it difficult. You know, even even after Jim the Jim Crow laws were lifted to make it difficult. Were they? Well, you know, like uh, legally. Yeah. <laughs> even after that, like right. there, was, there was all these like sneaky things that were done to keep black people dude sometimes not even sneaky like watching oh yeah well, shoot black people all the time i'm no i'm saying like it, it's just been programmed for us to think that it was so okay that it's like mm-hmm. first of all find that nigga and get him on the podcast dr. dead Moore. ass yo dr yes. moore is yeah. a legend like i'm sure i you know what i wonder Try. if he would come i wonder if he would yeah come. I'd love to talk to him. Let me FaceTime him, okay? What he look like? Because <laughs> I'll do it. Oh, man. Yeah. that's Bree, that's a fucking amazing idea. Dude, I'm going to it, try. Just try, know? right? All we can do is try. Oh, man. That man really changed the course of my life. But ah, the reason I brought this up was because when we went to China, it, right, we were in Beijing, which is the New York of China. And... In Beijing, there's a lot of monuments. China's so big, and there's a lot of poverty in China. In mainland China, people they don't have so much a lot of money, so their lifetime trip, like they save out, they save up their entire lives to take a trip to Beijing to go see like the big monuments in China, right? And so these are people oh who have never, who don't, who have never like seen anybody else, but that's not Chinese. And so these tourists who are Chinese, but they're tourists in Beijing, they would see our black, my black uh, yeah, my, my, our, our, my, co- my colleagues. Were Call me. Yeah. And they would, they would like just stare like they saw a celebrity and yeah. like, they would like stare hard and oh my God, my friends were so funny. My friends were so funny. They were like, 
because <laughs> they would make a scene so they would just they got so used to it they were like you know what we're they're gonna they're gonna be looking at us let's make a scene and we were at a, we were on a, a subway once and they were singing <laughs> they were singing um boy boys to men what's that song what, is it end of the road which yeah. one yeah the end of the oh, road no, we go. <laughs> yeah. that way. wait well, how does it go i want to sing it i want to sing it a little because this story gets better <laughs> Oh no, we've come. Oh, no, we've come. So there was an acapella. There was like yeah. five girls who were playing yeah. the acapella, and there was one girl who was the main singer. And she was like, Although we've come to the end of the road. And these people started, Chinese people started pulling out their cell phones. And you know, this was like a, like an event. And I was, like, I was laughing my ass off because I thought it was so ridiculous. <laughs> like this is ridiculous Yo, oh, but I love it crazy. These, these um they would give them their babies because they wanted to take pictures with them oh i was like the tank to the face oh my <laughs> God. No, they, they would just offer up <laughs> <I'm dead. laughs> they wanted to take pictures of them yeah not only the babies they would always did they'd ask if they could take pictures with them it was Holy the oddest thing i ever experienced because i was like what and and you know i i grew up with <laughs> i guess the reason i don't know i there's so many influences in my life but i just I, I've I've always I had one of my like my uncle he's black and he, I've known him he, I think he's the one who taught me English because everybody else was just teaching me Spanish and like he was like not nah, Caesar you got to learn English um, like he's black or like Afro Latin no he's black he's black okay yeah Uncle Terry good man okay he, 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 <laughs> oh he's he, black if his name is Terry that's a black ass name he get, he got so pissed off when I told him I thought I was white Uncle and he was like what. <laughs> You thought you were a white boy? <laughs> I was like, Uncle, Uncle, you got to try to understand. <laughs> he was like, No, you fool. <laughs> you sound like him. <laughs> I think you sound like him because I know him. That's so funny. He's like, You fool. <laughs> he calls me a fool. I was like, I'm sorry, Uncle. Um, that's but, real. But like, I think that, I don't know if that, I don't think that's one of the reasons because my friends that I grew up with, they, they also, they're like me they just treat people like people i don't know but you can always tell we have literally one girl in our group because i'm a part of that black women's group like i told you like 30 of us there's one girl and i love her so much her name is coco she's hispanic and she comes around and knows how to act i'm like it's sad that i appreciate her so much for being fucking normal you can tell she just she doesn't try to take up the, the space make it about her she just she comes and she treats us like people she's not enamored by being around all black people she's the only one who's not she just be talking to us like yeah yeah but it's like you know i never even thought about the fact that uncle terry's black like i knew i knew he's black right like uh, uncle terry's black but it wasn't it's like it's not a thing I had to think about because it's always been right. Uncle Terry. It's just another person who loves me. It's another person who loves me. It's another person who gives me good advice. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. but I think the thing that I see common with my friends is that uh, I mean, I don't think there was a lot of racism amongst the parents that raised us. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with how the the people end up, end up acting, you know, how your parents act. How, how your parents talk about the world and other people. Yeah. And that really influences. But yeah. 
um, that was that, dude. Okay, well, let's take a shift because I want to ask you this. Because you are so, like, put together, you just seem so not normal because I can still see how you're very unique, but you just seem so just put together and, and presentable. Do you have any kinks or, like, things sexually that people would think are weird but you enjoy or you're into? <laughs> I told you I was going to fumble you. Damn, you see, but, like, I get you. I, I'm, I'm not against answering this question, but I feel like it's my secret. You know what I mean? I feel, okay. like, I feel like it's a prize. I feel like if, if I feel like you have to keep That's some, real. some of the mystery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I feel the opposite. But, yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, like, as in... As in, like, if I if everybody knows, then it's no longer special. That's not true. No? <clears throat> Hell no. I'll okay. be doing some of the shit that I'll be talking about, and it'd be still special for these niggas. Okay, I'll say Trust it. Trust me. Well, <laughs> no, think, no. You don't have to say it. I'm just saying. No, like, if you don't have anything. Now it sounds like I have some crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be sucking on toes. No biggie. <laughs> <laughs> um... But I, I mean, it's we, up to you. Just know it's out here forever. You're right. I guess we could just let people's imaginations run wild. Oh, you're trash. Would you really <laughs> say it? <I> mean, <laughs> you tell me not to say it now. You I did not. I, said, I just didn't want you to feel peer pressured into saying it. <laughs> but then you just peer pressured me. <laughs> Dude, I want you to fucking say it. The fuck? <laughs> um... That's my only... Oh. Point. I mean, I knew you were going to be disappointed because <laughs> you... <laughs> You're I'm dis- I, yeah, I am disappointed. Damn, <laughs> that, that's cute. I like that. Yeah, I'm what just, are you, why are you giving me that? that that's cute. That's no, I'm saying like I like that you feel that way. I like that you value your privacy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I like that. I just don't want it to come across like there's something wrong with exposing it. That's why I was saying you have the floor if you want to. No one like I'm not gonna judge you for it, but I value. That you feel differently from me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. I was not talking down. I promise. Because most people are private. I'm just, you know, I'll be home. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I put here, you strike me as a really unbothered person because you are. You're so unbothered. You don't get as emotional as I get over everything. Mm. Um, how do you maintain your peace? Um, let's see. Uh, how do I maintain my peace? I just, every time something starts to bother me. Um, I think I've trained myself. Like, I just, is this going to be, is this going to help? Oh, yeah. Is this going to help like me getting upset? Me, me being anxious is not going to help. Me being upset is not really going to help. I mean, usually it makes things worse. I mean, I could, I think I could say what I have to say. If I really have to say something to someone, I could say it calmly and still be a little bit upset, but I don't have to blow up because that's not going to, that's not going to help. I think. I think getting very emotional um, for me, I think it just hinders my ability to, to, uh, to, to, to actually, yeah, to actually do, to make good decisions. Um, so I don't know. I, I meditate a lot. I meditate every, every day. Okay. Uh, that's helped me. Um, psychedelics have helped. Um, open Which doors. Kind? Mushrooms? Mushrooms. Yeah. Mushrooms have helped open doors. You need doors. to connect me with a plug. I don't have one. I never buy, I've never bought like, uh, I've never bought them. They've always been bought by like other people I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know what you mean. And, um, the other thing is, uh, 
I journal and I, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't, uh, I don't see the value in getting upset about things. I'd like Even to, traffic? I like to focus on things that I can control. And, Even yeah. traffic? Like you don't get upset in traffic? No, because the traffic's oh, wow. not the thing that I can control. You know, Damn, but it's just, you do not need to drive with me. It's like, uh, I see it as an opportunity. I don't see it. Well, yeah, I see it as an opportunity. Instead of getting upset, I can do something else. So if like I'm stuck in traffic, I'll put on a podcast. It's always kind of like, where's the opportunity? Where's what can I do? What, how can I turn this as a benefit? Yeah. Okay. This is the last question I have. And this is, I actually really want to know how you feel about this. So not just you, but also you. The men that you know, the men that you're around, not just the good ones, all like when you think of all the men that you know, Mm -hmm. and just generally speaking, do you believe that men treat women different that they don't find attractive? Like just casually talking to a woman who you just don't find attractive or not into or ugly, or do you feel like men treat those women differently? I know this is so random, but this is something I've always wanted to ask a rational man. Hmm. Uh, no, not not in the sense of it. Like, um, no, because I think they. I just treat them. We just treat them as like a friend, like a guy. Like if I'm not attracted to a guy, <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm not attracted to guys, so I just treat them normal. Um, there's some dudes that are. There's <laughs> just you know. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. I just went somewhere else with that, but yeah. It's like, uh, no, I don't treat, uh, I mean, I just don't treat them like I would, I guess. I think it's a bad thing that if I treat a girl differently when I'm attracted to her in the past, I see, I've seen like things get in the way like that. Just, it just gets in the way. Like that I is feel so true. Yeah. If, if I'm starting to treat them special and put them on a pedestal it does not seem to go my way. So I think the best, the best thing is just like, but although I, I'm still working at it. It's like a weird thing. It's like I really want this person to like me. <laughs> but um, uh, does that answer your question? Hard. Yeah, it does. But I mean, I don't know if you're the right person to ask because you're like a genuinely like cool person. <laughs> I need to act you... like a typical man. You're not a typical man. Okay. All right. <laughs> I have more questions for you. Yes, come on. Yeah. I'm like I, drunk. I... I'm gonna answer honestly. Oh, right. Um, let's get into the deeper questions. Um, I mean, when you look back on your early 20s, what is something that you thought you were doing right that you now know you were doing wrong? Pleasing everyone else. Like, I, I still do it all the time, but I know for a fact that that was the wrong thing to do because in this world, a lot of the times, pleasing people gets you far like it's a survival mechanism to be liked by people to get access to things to not be terrorized like I still would choose to go back and stop pleasing people even if it cost me friendship even if it cost me relationships I wish I could go back and choose to have picked what I wanted and needed over pleasing everyone else and making them comfortable Mm. all right I like it. I like it. I'm going to give you another question. What advice would you give your, your daughter at your age? At my age now? Yeah. Oh man. Oh, so many things. I would tell her 
to make sure that she takes care of her credit because black people never have good credit. I would tell her to make sure that she knows who she is before finding someone else, because even if she finds someone who loves her, she can get lost in that if she doesn't know who she is on her own. I would tell her that she's beautiful no matter what, like literally beauty is perception. She knows that. She tells me that all the time. And I tell her she's so beautiful. And she's like, what does that mean? Like, if I'm smart, I can get things accomplished. What does me being cute mean? So, I mean, she'll know that by then. Um, And I would tell her, even if it's something I want you to do, make sure it's something you want to do first. I like it. I don't know. I like it. I like it. What do you, um, huh? Wait up. I need to get this question. (laughs) This is a weird one. Uh, so we all, I mean, I, I guess every human, every human's life is unique, right? We all have different life experiences that cause us to view the world differently, uh, through your life experiences and what you have been able to see about the world. What do you want everyone else to be able to see as well like from what you've been able to see what do you want more people to be able to see that you've seen i want people to know that most of the things that they thought are like completely made up like most of the things that we follow and believe not like religion just like societal norms are completely made up so If whatever you truly want for yourself is against everything that you know, it's fine to go with how you feel. Like like masculinity is a construct. Femininity is a a construct. If however you feel is against the things that are normal, body hair, y'all know I'm hairy from head to toe. Like, Mm. yeah, just do exactly what feels natural and feels good to you. And even if you are completely okay with all the norms and how life works, when people are different from you, just leave them alone. Like I really wish so many more people could just let people, like if they're not doing anything to you and it's just something that you don't like, leave them alone. And I would want, especially men who listen to this to know European is not always needed. I know like, it's like a societal thing to think that men have it all together and have all the answers. But if you walk up to someone, especially a woman, and you think you want to just compliment them or say anything, your opinion is not always needed in every situation. Like <clears throat> the biggest issue I'm having right now is like loving my body because right now I'm in a thicker space. So I'm loving how I look right now. Like I'm mm. all for it but when I was thinner and I was I would loved how I looked skinny I just didn't really care I was like this is just my body as long as I'm healthy it's fine I would always have so many men come up to me and be like you're so skinny or like you look sick or just saying just because they thought that their opinion truly was like valuable it was like why would you not want to know what I thought about you Hmm. I would just tell people to mind their business more and honestly think about how different everyone is supposed to be. Like if we were supposed to be the same, I would have came out with the same hair as Cesar. He'd have a fro right now. Like if we were all supposed to be the same, we would look the same. So if someone is different from you, that shit is okay. And if your children are completely different than who you want them to be, that's fucking fine. That's what I want people to know. Hell yeah, Brie. 
Those were all the questions I had. Do you have any uh, other questions? <laughs> no, but sometimes I just feel like I'm so drunk that these answers come out like, <laughs> I don't know. I hope they're okay. No, they were good. They were fucking, they were good. You got deep there. I think uh, okay. we uncovered some good shit. Why are you, are you sad? <laughs> no, I'm not sad. I just hope that that was like, there's just so many other things I could say that I'm like, yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think you're very hard on yourself? Hell yeah. Hmm. I think if I was a like white man, I probably would not think about half of the things I think about. And I know people think I make everything about race or like gender, but it is a lot of what hindered me is because of that. There are a lot of times I was telling Jim this, I was like, dude, every time I record a podcast, I call you and tell you all of the things that I hated about the episode. And I can't think of any of the good. I literally like... I said Hispanic and I shouldn't have said that. I said Mexican. Like, I am always trying to make sure I don't say the wrong thing or steer people in the wrong direction. And it's like, dude, if I was like a white guy or just a guy, guys don't even think like this. They haven't been opinionated and like picked apart for every little part of themselves that they even think like this. They just be going. Of course, uh, all people have insecurities, but the like double, tripleness it is of being a woman and a black person, it's like, nothing I do or, or anything that I create that could be phenomenal is ever good to me ever, ever. Like even when I take a picture or I put anything out there, I obsess over it. I look at the picture a million times. I look in the mirror so many times and people think that's like a conceited thing. It is me trying to convince myself that whatever people are saying is that good. Is that good? Like I'll go, someone will give me a compliment and I'll go back and check that picture to be like, where is that at? Like they said that that was cute, but but I had to look at something a hundred times to believe what someone said once. And it is exhausting, but it is my reality from such a small child that it's like literally in my brain. And I hate it because I wish I could appreciate me the way other people appreciate me. And I don't know when that'll happen. I don't know when I'll look at me as like, like you said, an influencer inspirational instead of looking at me as such a like, screw up because the reason why I said earlier like I can't not speak out because I've lived a life so long where I thought that the way I was was wrong that I truly even to this day wish that I was born as normal as the world so it'd be easier I'd still have my family I'd still have the people who wanted me to be exactly what they wanted me to be there's a certain part of me that hates that I'm so different because it's so different than what everyone else is that it's like oh it's like I don't know Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, why did it say, I know you just said you don't want men's opinions, but I'm not trying to give an opinion. I'm just trying to offer like a, a different perspective <laughs> in, in, in the sense that I, why I'm offering this is because I see some, I see that, that thing in you where you didn't, you don't allow yourself where you're so hard on yourself. I think I saw it in me. Remember I told you how I cried and why I cried. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I realized that that like that part of me that was always making everything not good as in like, I was always saying, no, it's not good enough. You're not good enough. Um, I think what I saw in my case was that it was actually holding me back from um, fully expressing myself through the things that I create. And I just wanted to offer that as a, just something to think about of maybe, maybe that part of you, is preventing you from fully expressing yourself even on your podcast and i don't know maybe that's something you might want to explore 
but again no dead ass like you give the best advice your opinions actually you give them all that shit i said don't listen when it comes to you you should probably speak your mind because every time you offer up advice i'm just like dude that's real i I definitely hold barriers because i'm always like there's one person who's going to have a problem with this like uh yeah i'm already crazy i'm like if i let out 100 percent of what i already am People going going to be like, whoa, they probably will come back and keep listening, but they're going to be like, damn, this is who she really is. Well, I think as long as you are doing it, as long as you're pure and doing it to add oh, value to the world. definitely not pure. Not oh, pure in the intentions. sense of pure in your <laughs> intentions. intentions. Yes, pure in your intentions. Right. Not as in like pure in who you are, you know? And, and I think from, I know you, I've known you a little bit. You know, I don't know you as deeply as your friends, but from what I've seen is that you've got a good heart. And I think if you're, I think you got a good compass and you just want to do good for people. I mean, I think a hundred percent of you giving yourself a hundred percent to the world would actually be the best gift you could give the world. At least that's the way I see it. Well, you're my producer and editor. Are you ready to hear these things? <laughs> yeah. I feel like every episode I'm just like, you say you don't know me that long but you actually know so many things about me that a lot of people don't just from editing this damn podcast i don't even know that much about you that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) i I feel like i feel like i feel like i'm a mystery to you (laughs) i do know a lot i mean i hear your stories and stuff so i guess i do know who brie is versus you i'm just kind of the guy who (laughs) makes yo caesar edits this he he makes things he makes things kind of happen they they yeah they're timed right um yeah is there anything that ever happened to you growing up childhood anything that like you feel guilty about still to this day guilty about just anything have you ever done anything you're like to this day it haunts you or you think about it um not in the sense where like it haunts me it's just kind of like oh what (laughs) some childish (laughs) stuff (laughs) it's like there's like some childish stuff. Oh shit! <laughs> it's just no, like, mine oh. is 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 childhood, but it haunts me to this day. Like, you don't have anything like that. Like, I don't know what you mean. As in, like, well, no, I've I've been very fortunate. May I don't think you're going this route, but I've, I've been very fortunate where there wasn't any really traumatic events in my childhood. Very very fortunate. I think yeah, I mean, I was fortunate in that way too. Uh, the most traumatic event was that I think some guy tried to kidnap me and my little brother. Um, once he was telling it, he was he did the <laughs> whole thing like just you remember how they used to tell you they used to put a TV at the on the classroom and say like say no to strangers and it would be like all cheesy and it'd be like hey I got some candy right that literally happened to us Bree we were walking home and this guy stopped in a BMW. And he he stopped in front of us and was like, hey. yeah, he's like, "Hey, how you guys doing?" We're like, "Uh, good." <laughs> I'm in elementary school, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, man, I I got some donuts in the car if you guys want some." Uh, nah, <laughs> nah. We were like, "What the fuck?" Uh, no. And he's like, oh "No, I mean they're God. just in the car. You can you guys just get it, get in and just get them." 
Just uh, fucking hand them out the window, idiot. I kind of you have it was one of those moments where you have that really bad feeling where you're like, This yes. is this is wrong. This is like this is not a good situation. And we just turned around, but nothing happened. That's the worst it got in my in, in like So kidnappers mind. don't come in vans. I guess kidnapping pays well. I guess so. That is crazy. I don't know. That was but so Yours? what do you mean by like by like uh what did you ask me again? Anything guilty? Okay, I'll tell you mine, and it's definitely not as interesting as yours. There was a time my cousin, I had a cousin who um he had ADHD, so he was always getting in trouble. He was just like that quote unquote bad kid, but he was actually sweet as fuck, but he just was always in trouble in school. I think we were like 10. He came to spend a night at my house and we had the same toothbrush, right? Mm-hmm. So he was always doing something bad. And that time in particular, I woke up. Couldn't find my toothbrush, found it and it was wet. And I was like, did you just use my toothbrush? And he was like, yeah, no, that's my toothbrush. I was like, no, that's my toothbrush. Our toothbrush looks alike, but this one's mine. So I went and told my mom, he got a whooping and like, he was crying so hard. He was really pleading that it was not his toothbrush. It traumatized me because I found my toothbrush and my toothbrush had a huge sticker on the front. It was so obviously not his toothbrush. And he got a whole like beating and was crying and really pleaded, but he lied so much that no one believed him. It haunts me every motherfucking day. Jesus, why? (laughs) I don't know. I think about it randomly all the time because it was the one time he was not lying and no one believed him and i had a feeling that i was wrong but i didn't think my mom would react like that she had just had enough wow dude uh no i uh, i am like a bad person no you're not you're not a bad person maybe just apologize to the guy be like hey man all those years ago Um, i should seriously but no i think the closest thing to that i was never really a liar um or but like one time, I think I was just really upset with my little brother. And I don't know. It was something about a bike. We were going to put bikes away. And then uh, I think I dropped the bike or something. My dad was getting upset at us. And I think I did it on purpose. I was like, it was the first time I had a plan. Like I conspired against my brother. I was like, going to push a bike and tell my dad that he did it. And then I pushed it. <laughs> and then I think I told my dad, Christian, they didn't put up the bikes. And then he was like, I saw you kick the bike. Oh. <laughs> and then I was like, fuck. It was the one, it was the one time that like, I don't know why I was. <laughs> it taught you the lesson. It's probably why you never lied again. Well, yeah. I was like, oh, that, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> the, Hell no. Nah. That's so funny. Well, fuck. Brie, I think we've been through, we've gone through a lot. And I think, uh, I think it's been a really good episode, even though you're doubting. I think it's really been informational. And we've said a lot. Do you have maybe anything? I'll feel that way when when we play it back? I always feel that way when I play it back. I'm like, holy shit! But all right, Ray. Um, it's been my pleasure to talk to you, and um, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. So uh, people can reach you at Brown Skin Brie with two eyes at the end. Two eyes. You went and wrote it down, didn't you? I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and uh, it's at Brown Skin Brie with two eyes at the end on Instagram and at at Bree the Black Sheep on Instagram, Bree the Black Sheep, the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. What is, is there anything else you want to tell the world? Um, be great, y'all. 
I know we're going through a time and we went through a traumatic ass week last week. And I want everyone to know that even though we're supposed to just keep going, it's okay to unwind and unpack what the fuck we actually went through. So take care of yourselves, please, because if you're not being the best version of you, you can't help anyone else. Period. Mm. Right. <laughs> As for me, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at the dose of Caesar or listen to my podcast, Dose of Caesar, everywhere you get your podcasts and keep learning, keep meeting new people, keep expanding that bubble, keep pushing it. And so we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.